because I love you guys, and that's enough for me. It's enough for me. So thank you guys so much for last week. Uh, I want to I start off today with a question, um, and you don't have to answer. Please don't answer. Um, I want you to think about it. What is your captivity? Oh, Ben, I've known Jesus forever. I don't have captivity anymore. Okay, so you're not human. Um, what is your captivity? Do you want freedom? Do you want freedom from your captivity? I mean, this is like, I, I just, wa- I've been watching The Chosen. Anybody see The Chosen? Yeah, so I just watched season, like, I've never watched it, and then I've been, I've been binge-watching it uh, with my wife, and it's amazing. Um, I, I'm at the episode, we just finished the episode, where he goes to the pool of Bethsaida, and he asks the, the lame man, he says, hey, do you want to be healed? So let me ask you that question again from Jesus' standpoint. Do you want freedom from your captivity? I'm glad I didn't hear any excuses. Ben, I would want it, but I've been fighting forever to get it, and it hasn't happened. This person has gotten my way. No, that's not what Jesus asks. He doesn't ask about your excuses. He asks you what you want. He says, hey, what do you want? And he pinpoints it so often. But the thing is, is that we ask for what we want, and it doesn't come in our time. And so we choose to be broken rather than whole. Every single day that we walk through and we're like, Lord, Lord, I need, I need freedom from name your captivity. Name it. Like, Jesus, I need freedom from depression. It's winter. It, it's getting cloudier. It's getting darker. It's getting grayer. We might have seasonal depression. We might not. Lord, I need freedom. You know what? I'm going to have you go on a journey to find it. But Lord, did you see what my boss did? Did you see what my family's doing? Do you see how many people I've lost in the past year? He sees it. Do you want freedom from captivity? I think a lot of us actually do love change. You're like, no, I don't. I'm going to say something. Y'all are going to hate me. All of you love change. Every single one of you. You like picking out your own new vehicle. You like picking out your own new house or, or apartment most of the time. You like picking out new clothes. Uh, you like picking out new shoes. What's that? Oh, you like new haircut or fresh haircut? You all like change. In fact, sometimes we love change. We just hate when things around us change and it's not our decision. We hate when people die, but we weren't done seeing them yet. It hurts. It's painful. I want to acknowledge that. But the thing is that God's plan is so much greater in death and life than we could ever imagine. We can dwell in the broken because God has changed our lives when we didn't want it. And we can dwell there and be all broken and all angry at God or upset at the world. And that's real. Or we can choose Him. 
And we could say, sorry, Lord, for everything you've done because he has forgiveness for those situations. I want to read a story in the Bible out of Luke. It's about, really, it's about uh, three people and Jesus. So four people. Um, but it's Luke 8, chapter 40. Or, sorry, chapter 8, verse 40. I'm a little off today. I apologize. I've had an energy drink. I don't normally do that. Um, it's been a long week. I had an extra hour of sleep. Had two cups of coffee, energy drink. You know how it goes. So, um, I've been doing a lot of leadership stuff this week, and so if I come off and I'm talking over your head, I apologize. I don't mean to do that, um, but there's probably something, a nugget, something there to help you in leadership no matter where you go if I do talk that way. Um, but Luke 8, verse 40 says this. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. How many of y'all say, I've been waiting for him? I've been waiting in my captivity. I've been waiting in my life. I've been waiting for an answer. I've been waiting for the truth. I've been waiting for freedom. I've been waiting for them to stop checking up on me. I've been waiting for my life to get right. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for death. I've been waiting for life. Everyone can relate to the waiting game. But God doesn't always call us to the waiting. Check this out. Then a man named Jarvis, Jarvis, Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe immediately, and the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Before I go on, before I go on in verse 45, before I even touch it, Jarvis comes up and says, hey, hey, my daughter is dying. I need you right now. And then the crowds form as he's starting to walk, and there's no way he is getting there as quick as Jairus wants him to. How many times in our life do we pray for something and, and we keep on praying and we lose the hope that Jesus is even going to show up? We're walking on a path. We think we're walking in the right path. We're going to church every Sunday. We're opening our Bibles every, every day. We're worshiping every day. We're giving Him our all. It just doesn't seem to come quick enough. You think maybe Jairus was in the same spot? You think maybe he's sitting there walking with Jesus going, crowds, get away from him. Don't you understand? My daughter, my everything is dying. Don't you know I need him to wake her up? Here's the thing. I need you to understand that when Jesus is involved, your emotions don't matter when other people are around they matter, but guess what? He'll get to it. He's got other people he loves too. Don't fret. He's coming. He's moving. He's going. He's in the act of putting one foot in front of the other. 
And then some lady who was probably in the hospital the same time that that little girl was born. Twelve years. She's trying to figure out what's going on. Why all of a sudden am I not, why am I all of a sudden am I bleeding? And verse 45 comes up because she touches Jesus and Jesus says, who touched me? And this is, this is what happens. Everyone denied it. Even the girl, even the lady said, eh, no, it wasn't me. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. She even gets an excuse from somebody else. How many people have made excuses for you? How many people have, made ex- how many people have you made excuses for? Oftentimes, we're ready to protect the people we care about most because we think they're in trouble, but they're not. The Lord's wanting to free them. How many times have we made excuses, whether it be maybe legally, we've made excuses because we didn't want them to be in captivity, but yet we didn't see that they were already there. How many times have we made excuses for someone in their sin because we didn't want them to be in trouble, but we didn't realize they were already in trouble? Jesus doesn't see things the way we see them. He sees things in a freeing way. We see things in a captive way. The first time we see something, we see it and go, wow, they're in trouble. No, they're not. Jesus is here. They're free. They could be free. Can I lead them there? Can you lead them there? Can we walk with them there? This is the leadership part. Are we willing to take up the step and the cross that God has given to us as we said, Jesus, come into my life? Because when you said that, you didn't just become a disciple, you became a leader. Jesus is wanting to use us to, to create a new atmosphere in this world. Not one of the world, but one in the world. One of Jesus proclaiming his name, moving out, not just sitting in these four walls. How many of y'all are tired of waiting in the four walls, waiting for the revival to happen in these four walls? Because Jesus is saying the revival is not going to happen in four walls. We've got to bust them down. But there's too many broken hearts. You know where revival starts? In the heart. We are called as a mass group to help revival hit the hearts of a nation. I don't even like that word. Because everybody spits it out and we use it too much. I want to see lives change, people come to know him, and freedom happen. Even if you already know him, I want to see freedom happen. Freedom needs to be this thing that we don't just, we don't just search for. We touch Jesus and receive. Freedom needs to be that thing. And this is what verse 46 says. But Jesus said, everybody in this world knows what Jesus but said. You know, like he said, like we did this, but Jesus said in our life. Everyone in this world knows that Jesus has come to get them. Whether they know his name or not, they know that Jesus is after them. They know someone is coming for them. But we don't even direct them to the name that's coming for them. They're missing something. We've all heard it. There's a void in our life. There's a hole in our life. Jesus is the whole filler. He's the void filler. He's the one that's going to produce newness in our life. 
He's the but in our life. He's the thing that slows us down and moves us forward. But we just keep on pushing when we shouldn't. Anybody there? Is it just me? Like, I keep on pushing, and, and I'm, like, not even focused on Jesus, but I keep on pushing forward because I think that's what I ought to do, and Jesus comes in and goes, but Ben, and I have to slow down and go, but Jesus, and he goes, yeah, exactly, come on. And we have a little conversation, and things change, and I don't even realize that the thing I'm pushing for is what's captured me because I've lost sight of Christ. Does that make sense? Are we understanding today? Because I, I, I got confused saying it. I'm not as fast as some of y'all. But that's real. We get caught in, in our eyesight. Our eyesight becomes our captor. Our direction becomes our captivity. But God's not asking us to be captured by our action. He's asking us to be captured by his love. In the waiting, we can find him. But we can also find him in the actions if our eyes stay on Jesus. I did a leadership uh, devotional this week, and I talked about, uh, I was in Ezekiel 1, and in Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel's having a vision, and it's a chariot, and it has two wheels this way, and two wheels, they're like connected. It's like, there's your wheel, right? It's like that. And it spins this way, but it also spins this way. The guy looked like a human on the front, a lion on the right, an ox on the left, and an eagle in the back. But the head never had to change for direction. Because what I saw there is the Lord telling me this. Maybe I'm the only one dealing with this, and I just need to hear it. But the Lord said, always keep your gaze on me. I'll let your lion roar when I need it to roar, and I'll move you that way. As long as you keep your gaze on me. I'll let your ox and strategist move this way when I need it to move this way. Just keep your gaze fixed on me. I'll allow you to fly and soar, but keep your gaze on me. And so often in our life, we choose to look instead of allowing our gaze to be fixed on him. We choose to go a different direction. You want to see your ministry blow up? Whether it's at your job, whether it's at your home, whether it's at your school, stop looking and start gazing on Christ. I promise you, you do that, and the Lord will move your strategies, your, your work, your roar, your uh, loudness, your sore. It will start moving in the way the Lord would want. But keep your gaze on Him. And that's exactly what's happening. We're seeing the process of a woman fixate her gaze on Christ. She's lived 12 years broken, hurt, hurting, and then this other guy's lived a few years just watching his daughter die, and finally the gaze is fixated on Christ. How many of us need that word this morning, that our gaze needs to be refocused on Christ? Verse 47 after Jesus says, I felt healing power go out from me. Verse 47, the woman realized that she could not stay hidden. How, how many of us feel like we've been hiding for a while? Don't answer that, but feel like we've been hiding for a while and we need to come out of the crowd. God is tugging on your heart. He's moving you. 
He's transferring you. He's changing you. Lord, I don't like it. He's moving you. He's changing you. He's directing you. Lord, I don't like it. You can't help it. He's coming after your heart. He's coming after your gaze. He's coming after who you are because he needs you. He wants you, and he's changing your life so that you can better serve him. Your story will affect somebody else because of who Christ has made you to be. Allow the change and find the comfort in the king. Verse 47 goes on, and it says, She began to tremble and fell to, the, to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Here's the thing. She had authentic faith in that moment. She spent 12 years tormented by like this bleeding that was constant. And she spent 12 years that way. And she saw every doctor in Jerusalem. And no doctor could heal her. She was considered unclean. No one could embrace her for 12 years. And she comes to Christ. And in secret, she touches the hem of his clothes. She didn't even have to touch him to touch the fire. She just had to touch the heat to catch. How often are we willing to touch the heat of the Holy Spirit to see our lives set ablaze? We don't even think it's worth it. We don't even think we can come close to it. But Jesus is saying right now, touch the hem and you'll be set free. And the whole time, Jairus, Jairus is sitting there going, why are we wasting our time? Maybe he's not. I don't know. I'm just making that up. At least I admitted it. But God is calling on us just to touch his hem. Have faith and belief. Sometimes I think we make faith and belief harder than it is. Can I tell you something? Walking it out is harder, but having it is not. We make it harder than it is. Faith and belief or faith and belief? I have faith. You know what faith is? Everybody says it's uh, believing in something you can't see, but I believe faith is believing in something you can't understand. I, I don't understand Jesus. I don't understand his methods and his ways. I can't see him, yeah, but I don't understand everything he does. He's mystical, man. He's crazy. He's, he's awesome. He does things that I don't know how he does them. I don't understand the Lord's power, but I believe it can heal today. I don't understand his power, but I believe he can save through it today. I don't, I don't understand all his power, but I believe he can bring eternal life. I don't get it. I don't have to, but I do have to have faith in that. How often are we willing to have faith that the hem can set ablaze? How often are we willing to put our shoes in this woman's shoes, or our feet in this woman's shoes, to go forward and say, you know what? I need that. I need that blaze. I need that fire. I need that healing. I need that truth. All I seek is you, God, but you know, in order to do this, I got to walk. I got to get in the pool. No, you don't. You got to put your eyes on Jesus and take a step. Pick up your mat when you're not supposed to and walk. And by the end of it, he was leaping and he was praising Jesus. How many of us have leapt and praised Jesus this week? Like literally. I'm about ready to do it. Hold on. I'm kidding. I'm not doing it. When we dwell in our situations and in our sins, we will reproduce, we will reproduce the captivity we're living in. When we dwell in the pool of our sin, when we dwell in the pool of our situation, 
we will reproduce. And I want to I list some things here. So if we dwell in anxiety, we're going to reproduce anxiety. If we dwell in addiction, we're going to reproduce addiction, sexual immorality, perversion, victimhood, depression, suicidal thoughts, emotions. Let me get into that. Okay, let's do it. When you dwell in loneliness, you're going to reproduce loneliness. When you dwell in rage, you're going to reproduce rage. When you dwell in anger, you're going to reproduce anger. When you dwell in sadness, you're going to reproduce sadness. When you dwell in hopelessness, you're going to reproduce it. Reproduce hopelessness, you're going to reproduce it all. But the same is true on the opposite side. When you dwell in love and peace and joy and patience and goodness, you're going to reproduce it. When you dwell in hope, you're going to reproduce it. When you dwell in faith, you're going to reproduce it. When you dwell in those places, you know what? When you dwell in faith, you're going to put your actions to work, so you're going to reproduce it. Faith isn't dead when you reproduce it. See, Jesus wants to do something new in us, but we're so caught up in our situation that we can't see past it. We can't praise him the way he wants. We can't do the things he's calling us to do because we're sitting there going, but do you know what happened to me, God? Do you want to be healed? I got no, here's the thing, boy. I've heard him say that to me. I don't know. I mean, ladies, okay, maybe not you, okay? But he said it to me. He says, I get it, Ben. I saw your, your friend pass away. I was there when he took his last breath. Don't you think I wanted to turn? Like, God, why would you let such a good man die? In that moment that I asked that question, you know what he said to me? Because I reproduced something through him in you. You got a legacy to live through the people that have passed away through your life. Because God did something through them in your life. Even if you met them for a second, God wants to reproduce something through them in your life. Maybe it was a smile. Anybody ever meet somebody who just smiles that way? Just that way. You're like, man, I wish I had that smile. And Jesus is saying, you got that? Show them pearly whites. Some of us are like, I don't have pearly whites. I drink too much coffee, so that's me. But God is calling on us to reproduce the goodness. Catch this. God is calling on us to reproduce the goodness in every situation of our life of who he is. He's put something in us to create something new in others. Luke 8, 49, we're going to continue on with this story. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the house of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter is dead. There's no, tr no use troubling this teacher now. I put this in, because that was probably how it came off, because they didn't like each other. Verse 50, but when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith, and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She is only asleep. Y'all, if someone passed away in your life, and I said, don't even worry about it. You'd think I'm pretty lame, huh? Don't cry. Jesus said it. And he said, she's only asleep. I believe in a God 
who can make the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the mute to sing, the dead to rise. Let me, let me rephrase that. The dead to wake up. I believe in a Jesus who lived this earth in footsteps that we need to look at closely and try to put our feet on. He made footsteps in the sand. There's a verse about it. There, he, he made footsteps in the sand, and we're to walk in those footprints. Some of us don't even feel worthy of that. But he said, you are. Verse 53. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. What do you know? I've been that guy. I've been that guy that told Jesus, what do you even know? In verse 54, then he goes on, then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. Get up. Stand up in a loud voice. It says loud there. I'm wondering, I just wonder if people outside the house heard his voice and they still laughed. How many times have we felt unworthy because people are laughing at us? Verse 55, and at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Anybody ever asleep and someone comes in and makes a loud noise and you get up right away? Probably not. You'd probably tell them, knock it off and throw something at them. I know I do. I think when uh, we were first married, I might have, I don't remember, I think there was one time she woke me up and I threw a punch. I don't remember it. I was asleep. But I know when I was a kid, my brothers would come in and wake me up and I would throw punches. But they're my brothers. You know? Like they deserved it. I can't help it. I, I scared one. He fell back, hit his head on a radiator, and now there's brain damage. I can't do that. That's my middle. That's the brother that's just older than me. So I hold that against him all the time. I'm like, hey, remember who put your head into a radiator? I was seven. But Jesus said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Man, wouldn't it be cool to have parents that thought, man, they're hungry, let's feed them. They just woke up, let's get them some food. Or a friend. Her parents, in verse 56, were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. You know, we could be those people. You and I could be the people that Jesus sends people to. Because their daughters are sick. We could be the people where people come to touch the hem of your clothing because they're broken and they find healing. Jesus said there are greater things yet to come. You will perform greater things than even I have through the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of us are scared of the power of the Holy Spirit because it's just weird? I mean, real. I like weird too, but I mean, don't you get a little nervous, Didi? I'm going to admit it. I get a little nervous. There's nothing to get nervous about. There's nothing to get nervous about. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to do the work, not for you to do the work. You just got to be the vessel that steps forward. 
right? You've got no power in you but the Holy Spirit power. Step forward and lay hands on people and say, get up and walk, stand up. Don't you get it? There's always an action when there's a healing. There's always an action when there's a healing. You don't understand. But she didn't do anything. Yes, she did. He touch, she touched his hem, and he got up and said, who touched me? Come forward to tell me. Come forward. Come forward, and you will find healing from even this secret. Be clean. Be cleansed. Be the people that God has called to embrace the unclean. Be the people that God has called to do something crazy for. Be the people. Can I tell you a little stupid story? And when I was living in Germany, my dad was in the military. He was a chaplain in the military. And I had this friend, Brandon, and we were like hanging out. We were across the hall buddies. We lived in, a, in a, a, an apartment complex in Kitzigan, Germany, and it was awesome. And I think it was called Windsor Heights, which is kind of crazy because there's like heights over here. Um, and, and we were hanging out one day, and down in the basement were some little storage lockers. We'd put our bikes in there, stuff like that from the apartment. You had storage upstairs and storage downstairs. My dad was an officer, so he got this downstairs storage. And it was just this little, little under the, the stairwell closet. The door locked behind you. Only in some of them, not all of them. We decided to go in somebody else's. I, we didn't tell our parents. We didn't tell anybody. This was a hall down. This wasn't even in our stairwell. And my buddy got so nervous, we couldn't get out. He started crying for mom. Not my mom, his mom. You know what's crazy? I looked at him and said, it's okay. We'll get out. And I prayed, Jesus, help us. Within three seconds of that prayer, my mom came opened the door and said, I felt the Holy Spirit. I said, go down to that storage room. Tell me miracles don't work. That's stupid and silly. But there's response and action when you come to the feet of Jesus. If Jesus says come, you got to come. Lola, come on up, band, come on up. When we rely on our own abilities to save ourselves, we will find ourselves in our most recognizable captivity. My captivity as a child wasn't to pray, Lord, come help us. My, child is a, my childhood was more like, Lord, I'm going to have fun. I didn't even really talk to Jesus, let's be real. I saw my parents talking to Jesus, and I was like, I don't know about that seven years old. I don't know about that. But when we when we rely on our own abilities, you'll find yourself in your most recognizable captivity. You'll find yourself dwelling in your own blood, your own sweat, your own tears. You'll be drowning in them. But God is calling us to stop doing things on our own and start allowing him to move us. How many of us are willing to admit that today that through our hurts, through our pains, through our changes that we need Jesus to walk with us. We need Jesus to carry us at times, to mold us, to make us, to break us, to hold us 
to bring us back to wholeness. We've been a broken vessel for a long time and we continue finding those cracks. I've been saved since I was 12, right? We put a date on it. And every day I choose to get closer to Jesus. Every day I, I choose to say, Lord, where I'm broken, break me completely and mold me anew. Every morning I wake up and say, God, I don't want to live this life on this earth. I don't want to be the person I chose, I've chosen to be in this world of the world. I want to be the person you've chosen me to be in this world. Here's the thing, Jesus, I cannot do it. Under my own understanding and with my own strength, I cannot do it with my own mind. I need you here every single morning. Because I'm pathetic. And I'm okay admitting that under my own understanding and under my own strength, I'm pathetic. Are you? Because Jesus wants to come and mess up your life. I'm going to open the altar prayer team. If you need it, come get it. If you don't, come pray. Jesus wants to change lives today. If that's you who thought you need fire and you just need to touch the hem, I want you to come up. If, if that's you that says, hey, I, I want to change in my life, and Lord, I'm so sorry for making it about me and about the timeline that I have, and I want your timeline, even though it hurts, come on up. If you're saying, I need freedom from something, or I've never even talked to Jesus, I just want to hear his voice, I want you to come up. We're going to destroy hell today. Because hell has no strength over you. Hell cannot hold you or bind you. Your actions cannot hold you or bind you. Your truth is in Jesus and it's found. If that's you, come on. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just... I just want to dwell in your love. I just want to dwell in your strength. Lord, I want to dwell in your changes and I don't want to get crazy wild about the things I can't control but I want to be in control of where I'm at in the waiting of your love. Lord, break that in me. So I give away that control and I just love on you. Lord, I ask that you would come and fill us up this morning with your strength, your peace. Lord, I pray for the fruit of the Spirit to hit us and for us to dwell in those fruit so that we can be reproducers of the fruit. Lord, when patience comes and, and someone's impatient, Lord, I pray that we can be reproducers of the patience you put in us, the joy and the strength, the power and the influence. Lord, I pray that we would be reproducers of all of your influence and all of your strength. Lord, that we would sit and dwell in your love forever, that we would come looking only for you, nothing else, nothing else, God, just you. I just want you, and we would be reproducers of what you've given us. Lord, I pray that we would be vessels totally sold out to you and nothing else. If anything comes in our way, we would just give it up to you, God. Be the power in our blood. Be the power in our veins. Be the power of our beating heart. Be the breath in our lungs. Be the truth out of our mouth. Be the love out of our mouth. Be the encouragement out of our mouth. Be the embrace that we need to be. Lord, let us embrace people and overflow with love in them. Lord, I pray over every individual here. You know their heart. You know their mind. You know their strength. Lord, I pray that you would just start freeing them from the captivity that they dwell in. That they would start dwelling in your love, your peace, your strength, 
Lord, that any any captivity that holds them, Lord, you free them from. You unlock the chains. You unbind them, and you destroy that captivity, and they run forward for you. Lord, strengthen them, lift them, encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, good morning. For those of you who have brought chili, uh, go down to the kitchen, grab your chili, and we'll bring it up. Uh